Welcome, lads, for League Saints. Look at the first part of the first round as the NRL's Las Vegas adventure kickstarted in flying colours. Over 40,000 people attended the doubleheader at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. Plus, you throw in all the amazing events the NRL threw in across the weekend, and it was an exciting way to kickstart the year. It has been overshadowed by some drama. We'll get onto that at the top of the show. But before we do, let's get straight into the panel. I'm AJ Luke Antonio. Joining me, as always, the man with the news, 2SM's Reese Sullivan. G'day, Reese. Uh, g'day, AJ. How are we? Uh, it's been a fun weekend, but we've got some drama to talk about right from the outset. Uh, immediately following the, sorry, during the second half of the Roosters Broncos game, uh, Spencer Lenu has been placed on report for an alleged racial slur to Indigenous, sorry, Torres Strait Islander half Ezra Mam. Uh, Lenu has been reported to, as saying to the referee that he, referring to Lenu, called me a monkey, with another Broncos player saying that he did call him a monkey. Adam G heard this and he said that Ezra Mam has made a formal complaint. This will now go before the match review panel where they will investigate the matter thoroughly. Ref audio, hot mic audio, everything will be used to investigate this matter. But Reese, it has overshadowed what has been a great weekend. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because like you said, it was a great weekend of rugby league. These first two matches of the 2024 season lived up to the billing, lived up to the expectation. But yeah, just completely overshadowed. You know, obviously for now, these are allegations. I'm sure more details will come to light over the next few hours, over the next few days. But if the allegations are true, it's incredibly disappointing, especially, you know, from a player who comes from a background that has been the victim of discrimination. Mm-hmm. It uh, is. You know, it's obviously me being a Broncos fan, I am going to, be in support of Ezra Mam. Um, that's not 100%. me saying. That's not me saying that Spencer Lenu is guilty. I want to, you know, this. We have to let this investigation run its course. Um, mm-hmm. And I, ho- I hope the Roosters do as well because I know Trent Robertson's had some comments post game, which he is entitled to. Don't get me wrong. Do you want me but, to say them now? Yeah, go ahead. So Trent Robertson post game has said that. So Ezra is adamant that doesn't mean it's right. He obviously made the complaint, but that doesn't mean that is right. Um, it will go through the formal processes as it should. So the final part of that is 100% correct. But I think at the moment, we just need to let justice run its course. Yeah, I agree. I think ultimately the... This isn't an issue for the Roosters. This is an issue the game needs to take the horns on. Obviously, we remember a couple of seasons ago, Marcelo Montoya was caught on audio making a homophobic slur to Carl Phelps. Um, I feel like this is a similar situation in a way, uh, but also very different. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, we criticised the handling of that incident for Montoya. We did. We thought the suspension should have been longer than the four weeks he was given. Um, And this is a chance for rugby league to really stamp something out. You know, unfortunately, there aren't any openly 
LGBTQ players in the game in terms of the NRL itself, but there are players of many different races and it's important that rugby league stamps this out before it becomes a bigger issue. Yep. A hundred percent correct there. And you know, it's a disgraceful end to what was a good weekend, but again, we've got to let this investigation run its course. Um, Jonathan Thurston said post-game that he heard Ezra Mann was in tears over the incident. Uh, Adam Reynolds confirmed that his halves partner was upset. He said he didn't hear it initially on field. He was well away from it. So it looks like we'll just have to let this investigation run its course. And I think that's where we will leave this matter for now. And we'll let the NRL and the match review committee handle this matter as it should. Mm-hmm. But I think it was very important that we come out and stamp out that we stand with Ezra Mem on this issue. But I think what's disgusting is what we've seen on social media tonight and people go to Ezra Mem's Instagram page and comment and tweet stuff. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. And I think as a game, we've got so far to grow in this area. We've made so many good steps. We've our support of Indigenous Round, our support of Indigenous players through the All-Star Week, even supporting initiatives like Close the Gap and other measures within the game. But our fan base continues to let us down. We set this in the aftermath of the fan racially abusing Latrell Mitchell out at Penrith last season. We said it a number of times when these matters are brought up and it's quite frankly disgusting that it keeps happening in the game. And I don't know how much more the NRL can do because... It seems like we're doing all that we can. It's sad. It's, you shouldn't have to be brave to report an allegation of racism. But yeah. it feels like the alleged victim in this situation is receiving just as much, if not more, criticism than the abuser. It's not even criticism. It's just straight-up abuse. Yeah, 100%. It's just people hiding behind anonymous accounts on the internet, not putting their name or face towards anything and just thinking that they're invincible. And yeah. it's just such a sad state of affairs at the moment. You know, it's such a negative indictment of not only the cult, this country as a whole, but also what the Western world has become in a way that it's, you know, as far as we've come as a society, we've still got so far to go before everyone is able to stand on an equal pedestal. Yeah, in the 100%. 100%. And it's sad that we're still at this point in the game. Like, you look at Australia as well. We've got so far to go in terms of bringing people together. And, you know, it hasn't helped in Australia particularly as a result after what's happened with the referendum. I think we've still got so much further to go as a game because clearly a select few people within our society aren't heeding the messages. Yeah, 100% correct. It's unfortunate because people just refuse to change. That's the big issue. Yep, 100%. An entrenched culture, in, especially in Australian society, for so many people. And it's just very sad. Yeah, 100% right. 
but you know it's a situation that we shouldn't have to be talking about. No, and it's taken the complete gloss off this weekend, which was meant to be so good for the game, which we will now move to talk about. I think before we even get into the footy, we had so many great things, like with the Combine this weekend. We saw one of the Canberra Raiders players uh, pick up a deal. Sorry, not one of the Canberra Raiders players. One of the uh, athletes, sorry, pick up a deal there in uh, Samoan sensationalist Tafunga. The Raiders are very keen on her. There was over 50 American hopefuls that showcased their skills. Four will get deals, and I think it's a great step for the game. Yeah, 100%. It's an excellent initiative that I think a lot of people, you know, sort of brushed off when it was first announced. But this is definitely a great step by the NRL to further entrench the game in America, you know, because not only are we going and bringing two games to open the season in Las Vegas for the next five years, but we're also taking players who have played their trade in America in terms of college football or maybe the American rugby scene and taking them to the NRL, giving them that chance. So it's an excellent initiative in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, all good on that one. And then you obviously have the Vegas Nines, which were two great things for the game. And it was a win for the all-Canada team, the Ontario Ospreys, uh, in the women's division, in the men's division. Let me just get this up quickly. It was a, I think it was a Fiji-based team out of Sacramento. So. Uh, Colonial Silvetti Rabuka took the first team of Fijians to the Sevens in 1992. Now, he arrived in Sacramento 26 years later and led the Sacramento Immortal side to victory 22 points to eight. So I think that's a great story. Yeah, 100%. Is, uh, obviously, we know how fun the Nines can be. Um, you yeah. know... And it's great to see that that was something that was brought as part of this, you know, sort of package deal of showcasing the game, bringing that to Vegas. It's obviously we know how big rugby sevens are in America. So even if we're just starting, you know, to get the Americans set up by having them watch the nines, I think that's an excellent play by the NRL. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this can lay the precursor for an, another round of the international nines coming back down to Australia with an American team involved. And mm-hmm. by an American team, I mean a fully American team. Yeah, I think it's got great potential for the game, let me tell you. Um, but let's quickly move on to the rest of the weekend in Vegas. Manly opened proceedings with a 36-24 win over the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Let's go through the game by the clock. And it was un- an unlikely first try scorer. Jacob, sorry, not Jacob, guy, guy, Richie Kennard broke through. Manly mates conceded a six again. And they quickly went over for Richie Kennard. Yeah, but it was very strong start by South Sydney. Pretty strong start by both sides. The Souths showed that they were able to weather that early storm that Manly gave them and then went back up the field and scored themselves. Um, at that point, I was definitely thinking 
Souths were the heavy favourites to go on to win. Uh, but the game sort of lulled for a little bit, and that brought Manly back into favour. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting to see Richie Kenner be the first try scorer of the season, first try scorer in Las Vegas. I don't think too many people had that on their bingo card heading into the year. I don't think they would have at all, let me tell you. But from there, Manly were able to work their way back in the game. It was a little bit of a lull period there. Jason Saab... Um, Broke through down the line. It was a great chase from Lockie Ilias, eh? Yeah, 100% was. Uh, really, really showing the legs on the young halfback there to run him down. Um, but, yeah, excellent chase. And um, he really just sapped. I thought that sapped the life a little bit out of Manly, but they were able to recover pretty quickly. Yeah, 100% from there. Um and then Manly were able to bounce back. They got a scrum off a Latrell Mitchell mistake. And you put Hamoli or Kawatsu on an edge. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. There's very few players that can stop Olokawatu coming off a scrum base like that. And I don't think Souths have any of them. So very, very strong try. Made Nicola Matungi look like a child the way he bumped off him. And, yeah, excellent fight back by Manly to tie the game. Yeah, it was really, really good. Just, I think you see that. And then they picked up some really interesting opportunities. I thought Luke Brooks took the line on, and there was a close opportunity there for a try, and he almost went over but spilled it at the last minute. I think you saw instances today of Brooks taking the ball to the line, and it was really, really good. Yeah, he was very aggressive, certainly a lot more aggressive than he was in the Tigers' day. 19 carries for 102 metres, two tackle breaks, a line break and a line break assist. But the flip side of that is he only had the three kicks. And that wasn't something we were seeing him able to do on the Tigers. He was having to take so much more of that playmaking load. And being able to just sit back and be the secondary playmaker on this Manly team I think has really been beneficial for him judging off this first game. Yeah, and I think just knocking the ball on, but then they went downfield and it was almost like a 12-point turnaround because Kohler concedes. They go downfield off the scrum. Kohler concedes a six again. Then you have Trell drawing pass out wide and he links up with Jacob Gagai for a good one in the corner. Yeah, exactly. Great to see Jacob Gagai pick up a try on his very long-awaited NRL debut. Um. But, yeah, it was a great use of momentum by the Rabbitohs. And this is what this team is capable of. This is what we expect from this side. You know, they're a team that can score, and they're a team that can score quickly. And I know that they're missing Jack Whiten, but I feel like they could have done a lot better today than just 24 points. Yeah, 100%. I think goal-kicking hurt as well. Trell only two out of five today there, but Manly picked up a try before halftime. We're in the land of Vegas, and it was nice to see a pick four, not a pick six, but Troy Mitchell found Jason Saab, and he spread it all the way for the pick four. Yep, it was well, he didn't get it with the Ilias run down, but he was able to get it a little bit later, so just very good anticipation there by Saab to get himself into the spot he needed to get in, to get the intercept, and then obviously very few people are catching him yeah, 100%. 12-10 at the break. And Manly 
they appeared a little bit vulnerable towards the back end of the second half. You had Latrell Mitchell go over. He is too big, too strong, too powerful to stop that close to the line. And I just want to say on Trell, he seems a bit more involved today. Yes, he did. And it was very good to see, um, obviously, 17 carries for 117 metres. He, he said in the off-season he was going to take the line on more and he was going to be aggressive rather than trying to run sideways looking for the space. And I think that's certainly something we saw today. Uh, but it also opened up his offloading a little bit. Got a couple of offloads away. Created a couple of line break assists. I think ultimately that's a strength for the Rabbitohs, having him be able to play like that, be able to play. And of course, I'm going to make this comparison that I'm sure we've all heard before, but being able to play like Greg Inglis. Um, and if he's able to do that on, on a consistent basis and South Sydney are able to make the adjustments that they need towards that, that could be very beneficial for the team going forward. Yeah, you know, from there, though, uh, they picked up an opportunity to go down the left-hand side, and Alex Johnston, he crossed out wide for the first of his many this year for the Bunnies. Trill, just his ball movement down that left-hand side, when they got going down there, was good to see. It's something we didn't see enough in the back half of last year. We saw a lot of Latrell when he was healthy, being that little bit of a ball runner and coming off the Cody Walker short balls. But now he seems like he is settling back into being the second receiver, the link-up between Walker and the winger or the centre. And it paid off perfectly with that try. And he also picked up another try assist as well. So two try assists and a try for the first game of the season. That's danger signs if you're the rest of the league, in my opinion, regarding this Latrell Mitchell. Yeah, 100%. And that got it to 20 points to 12. And then from there, it kind of felt like the wheels went off the South Sydney bus because for a team that prided itself on ball handling after last year's debacle, they dropped the ball following the set after points. You had Darby Mawali put it down. And then the sheer ability of South Sydney to just concede straight away. I think you had Jackson Paulo come back on the extra out and he was taken down and then... The awareness of Lockie Croker just to go and burrow his way over out of dummy half. That just seemed to be the blow that ended the charge, to be honest. Yeah, 100% it was. Um, it was very similar to the South collapse that we saw last season. In that the moment momentum started to swing away from them, you saw them start making mistakes. I, they had a kick that went dead if I remember correctly. And yeah. just, you know, a couple of errors as well, bring it out of yardage. Little mistakes like that that just really killed the team. And it's something they definitely have to work out of their game going forward because if you're doing that and you're getting pushed to the sword against teams like Manly, how are you going to be able to go against the upper echelon of teams in the NRL? Yeah, 100% right. And then from there... They concede six again, and fortunately for all our super coach sides, Ben Trebojevic crossed over <laughs> on that left hand. So it was nice to see Burbo and Turbo combine. We just need a Gerbo. We would have had the full completion of Trebojevic's today to 
combined on that try, but he's found a home on that edge. And I hate to say it, but Josh Schuster's hard pressed to get him back in. Yeah, hundred percent. It looks like more and more that Schuster's gonna fall to the bench when he is fully fit. I don't see how you can drop Burbo after his performance today because it wasn't just with him. It wasn't just the try. Like the try was excellent as well, but you know he had ten carries for sixty-three meters. He made thirty-five tackles with only five misses. He even put a little bit of a cheeky kick in as well. So yeah, that's, those are very good numbers for a back row. And I know thirty-five tackles, five misses isn't exactly amazing. But Schultz is not going to be doing much better in that department. Yeah, so, 100%. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword there. You can bring Schuster in. Maybe he does do a bit more in trying to spark attack. But at the same time, defensively, he might be more of a loose cannon. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, he was 20, it was 24-20. And then Jacob Gagai made a mistake. He put it down. Uh, following the short dropout attempt by Trell and DCE. We knew with this field in Vegas that it would run on because of how firm it was. There was a lack of breeze. There was the roof over the stadium. But DCE timed that grabber kick perfectly and Garrick was there on the ground to score. Yeah, exactly. It was a weird one because it seemed like everyone knew what was happening except Richie Kenner. And it was Kenner's mistake trying to jam in too quickly it led to Garrick being able to be the first one to the ball. Um, but very smart play from DCE to recognize what what he could do. And yeah, it was a very perfectly executed grubber kick. Dropped in to perfection to allow Garrick to just plant the ball. Yeah, big time. And then you had Manly go over the line at the very, very end. Luke Brooks made amends for that try that it was denied. And then you had Richie Kenner finish off at the end, with a bit of a dubious double move, and it seems like that's going to be our new bingo roulette this season. Yeah, it was an interesting call. I thought it was a double movement live and on the replay. Agreed. But apparently, it must now be that it has to be the original tackle of finishing all the way through. Yeah, I think that that's the only thing that can explain it for me because you then had guys there like you had, I think, was it Paseka that came across and put his hand on him yeah, afterwards? exactly, exactly. But some good signs there for Manly. We doubted them over summer, but I think this Brooks-DC-Halves combination will flourish. I think when they start to get some middles back, that was our big concern over Manly. This season was just their lack in middle, but I think they've shown the blueprint on how to compete for Vegas and the preparation and all of that comes into it as well. Garrick, Saab, Turbo, all over 200 metres. Olukawatu, 179 metres today. Uh, For South Sydney... Uh, Kepi and Totola were pretty good. Cam Murray and Burgess. But I still think they're lacking another explosive body off the bench. And I don't know whether Talis Duncan helps just as a lighter body, which can kind of replicate the work and correlate the work that Cameron Murray's doing. But I just don't think they're getting enough out of a guy like Jacob Host at the moment. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think their bench rotation, was left a little bit lacking. Host played 21 minutes. Davy Mowali played 28. Tom Burgess played 37. And Havili played 27. So, you know, it, it might not be optimal to have Totola play 43 minutes. But it also might not be optimal to have, you know, Kola Matangi play the full 80. 
So I think I think he works better as an impact. Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you on that. Um, so I think definitely having you know a guy like Talis Duncan on the bench would be optimal for them. Just I just, just think it extra back rower. That and I'll sorry. No, you go, you go, you go. That and I also think the extra leg speed, which South Sydney love to thrive their game style on. We speak so often about Damian Cook's ability to play off a quick play the ball. In the start of the game, they were doing that. But as we mentioned with the bench rotation, they really struggled to get that going. Uh, some injury concerns, Darby Mawali, a hamstring. Jai Arrow, there was a couple of different injuries to worry about there. And also Jason Saab's hammy. Yeah, correct. And also Ruben Garrick's ankle as well, although he was able to play through. Yeah, 100%. Yes. Uh, Anything else in this game, my friend? Um, no, I think we'll just move on to the bane of my existence. The league scene championship between the Roosters and the Broncos. And AJ picks up the first win of the season. And also he picks up a win over one of our guests over summer, Vonnie Sampson. 20 points to 10. The Roosters beating the Broncos in this one. And I was a bit surprised with the Broncos today. We'll talk through the game in chronological order first. I definitely think you guys had the jump on us intensity-wise, but then that changed the moment uh, Pio Kura went off, and I think you had that run that um, Brandon Smith had out of dummy half. He was outstanding today, and that just kind of blew the air out of the bubble for the Broncos in the opening exchanges, I think. Yeah, 100% it did. Uh, That was a massive momentum swing. You know, it's never it's never a good look to have a player like that, you know, just knocked out in that way. Um, but yeah, massive momentum swing towards the Roosters, and it took a little while for the Broncos to recover. I thought. Um, I, I agree totally. Definitely took beyond the first try of the match. Yeah, so. big time, mate. Uh, but again, you had. Ezra Mam go to the line, and he was picked off by Joey Manu, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. That was just, again, the impact of not having Piakura there because usually Piakura is running that line inside the center to hit the hole, whereas Carrigan went outside the center. And that just allowed Joey Manu to sort of just step up and go, thank you very much. And that was that. Gave the Roosters an early 6-0 lead. Uh, sort of like the inverse of the past Sean Kenny Dow through way back when. Yeah. You, know, you, get, you gave us a gift that night and we finally repaid it. Yeah. I just think, yeah, you're 100% right. I finally got the PTSD cure too. But uh, <laughs> from there, you guys conceded to possession. I really thought that even though we got the penalty goal with Sam Walker to go up 8-0, I didn't think it would be enough. Because I know how much firepower you guys have. And I was getting a little bit worried when you guys were getting the ball in good ball territory. But Walsh was breaking through the line. I was shitting my pants at that realisation when I saw Walshy break through a couple of times. But it just wasn't coming for the Bronx in that opening 20. Yeah, we tried hard, but I think we tried a bit too hard. We made a lot of mistakes. We gave away a lot of seven tackle sets, I think. We did three inside the first 20 minutes, and then there was another one before halftime, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then, yeah, just put us on the end, 
defensively, we had to work through a lot of tackles. Um, but we got through them well, you know. Outside of that Manu try, he never really threatened to score in that first half. Uh, like, you had the Tupo getting bundled into touch, but that was about it. So, yeah, and then, obviously, the Broncos were able to take that and build momentum of their own, and then you had Dean Mariner cross towards the end of the first half, and all of a sudden, it becomes an 8-4 ball game. Yeah, and we had some field position. We had some chances there. I thought the rotation of the Roosters' middles today was outstanding, and that's something Robbo, I've criticised Robbo on this program about in the past. But I thought Terrell May and Nat Butcher came on at a really opportunistic time. Uh, but again, we had this habit of an error, penalty, six again, leads to the opposition scoring. And Brisbane took full advantage of that. Reese Walsh got on the outside of Joey Suali'i, a clever, deft kick into the end goal. And your man, Dean Mariner, there to pounce. Yeah, 100%. It was great, you know, for Dean to have that anticipation to get to the ball first. Uh, obviously, I feel like the first rule of playing outside of Reese Walsh is to expect the unexpected, and he was certainly ready for it, whereas Katoni Staggs wasn't. He completely overran the play. But I'll, I'll address the centers now because I thought they were a bit poor today. I feel like the cramped field really affected them more than it did the rest of the team. They seemed to be really cramped in. They seemed to be really boxed in. And they looked like they were just running lines instead of trying to create space because there just wasn't space to be created. And I think that was one of the big factors that cost the Broncos the game because we're so, so much of our offense is directed through our centers coming off either, you know, Nam or Walsh. And I feel like without that, we were just very limited in how we could attack the Roosters' defense. Yeah, like Stag still got through a mountain of work. Cobbo got through a mountain of work. Uh, only the seven combined tackle breaks for your centers, which I found a little bit of an interesting one. Four offloads, though, which was good. I thought the Roosters did a really good job jamming in, particularly on Cobbo. Uh, I had to force a lot of offloads out the back, and we did a real, excuse me, did a really good job in handling that, I thought. Um, and then you had, I thought Ezra Man was a little bit disappointing. At the same time, I thought defensively he was targeted. He missed 10 tackles today. Yeah, but he, was, he also had his great moments in defense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't... It goes both ways at the end of the day. He has improved as a defender. And he is going to be continuously targeted in that way. But I feel like another big issue was that the Broncos losing Piakura we had to put Carrigan next to him. Yeah. Because it felt like that defensive loss, you can't overcome that by putting the likes of Fletcher Baker or the likes of Corey Jetson or the likes of Kobe Hetherington there. It has to be Carrigan. And that's one of the big things that cost us. Yeah, I tend to agree. But 8-4 at the break it was, and then the Roosters came out firing. Daniel Tupo went through. Reese Walsh shoulder-charged him. I cannot get for the life of me at some points how that was not even close to being considered a penalty try or a professional foul, but maybe I've got my Roosters glasses on, but what did you think of that one, mate? It's weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Very weird, mate. It'd be one of the two. 
because it's denying a try scoring. But at the same time, it's not the professional foul in the sense that he's taking the player off the ball. So it's weird how it's interpreted. Yeah. 100%, 100%, mate. But the Roosters couldn't capitalise on that. You had um, Lindsay Collins put the ball down. Then we considered the penalty, and I thought, oh, no, here we go again. But the Roosters brought on the man of the hour in the far wide in the 48th minute. We forced an error off Katoni Staggs off the bomb. You guys seemed to struggle today with the high ball. What was going on there? Yeah, it was weird whether it was us off or whether there were just some other issues. But definitely one of the big reasons why you won was because of how bad And it wasn't just situations where we weren't going up to get the ball. Like, there were times where I think there was the big one where the Reese Walsh leading, which led to the Joey, sorry, the Radley try, where Walsh went up to take the bomb and it just went straight through his hands. Mm-hmm. And Zanesco was underneath it. It was just very weird. It's not an issue we had at all last season. And it was very odd to have that happen today so I'm going to chalk it down to the fact that the stadium lights were too bright um, <laughs> that when when they come back to Suncorp in two weeks time they'll be much better deflection, deflection, deflect deflect, deflection <laughs> but again we got to see what the Roosters will be missing next year, Joey Manu, my god, what a fucking pass to Junior Piaga I have absolutely nothing to say. It was a good player, wasn't it? That was incredible, yeah. Respect, respect. <laughs> yeah, very much, yeah. But, you know, from there at 14-4, we were comfortable, I thought. But then we conceded a penalty. We just went into that arm, back and forth arm wrestle. And you had a couple of breaking opportunities down that left edge with Jesse Arpers. I think you might have had a line break. Earlier in the first half, or second half through Arthur's, we had a half break down the left-hand side, but he got to take full advantage of it. He linked back up with Reese Walsh, and at 14-10, we had a game, didn't we? Yeah, 100%. It was 100% game on. Momentum seemed to be shifting to the Broncos, because immediately after that, the Roosters put the kickoff out on the fall. <sighs> um, but, yeah, the Roosters just steeled. They were able to turn on another gear. And the Broncos, I don't know whether it was because of all the defense they had to do in the first half, but they just couldn't match it. Yeah, 100%. Mate. Um, But again, 14-10, we were game on. It was back and forth arm wrestle. Uh, We had the Spencer Lenu put on report. For those that jumped through the podcast, we touched on that at the beginning of the show. We went into extraordinary detail about that and our disgust at the allegations made. Uh, don't need to say much more than that, to be honest. But mm-hmm. from there, the Broncos made a mistake. Reese Walsh put it down. And James Tedesco stroke through for the break, linked up with Radley, and that was all over Red Rover there, right there. Um, I have a new discovery with the Roosters issue, mate. Do you want to hear it? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the short dropout is our cheat code. Seems like it. It is invincible. It is absolutely invincible. We had two. We got the ball back on both. Uh, thanks for playing, everyone, in the 2024 season. It's been fun, but thank you. It's a bit early, mate. No need to get on your high horse just yet. 
I'll try, mate. But considering we have not won a round one game since 2021, I've got to take the mini wins. We've gone over to another country. We've won round one. I'm extremely happy with that. I get my revenge in the league scene championship. I'm really enjoying it. But I've got to give some individual kudos to players. Um, Teddy and Rads are back, ladies and gentlemen. How good did they look today? Yeah, they looked really strong, especially Radley. Especially Radley. What have I said? Mm. What have I said about my main critique about Victor Radley's been? Just to his, his being over aggressive. Over aggressive. That's one of them. What's the other one in attack that I hate? Not not being passive in attack. Not being passive. He was being passive and no. passing the ball at the line. And no, he yeah, had exactly. 18 runs, 168 meters, 77 post contact. That is vintage rads, what we saw today. And then James Tedesco at the back, 20 runs, 213 meters. A uh, bit of stat padding at the end of the game, but uh, 29 touches. Uh, Kieran Walker had 57 each. Interesting. Just wanted to, to make honest, that point. To be honest, it felt like Walker was getting a lot more of the ball than Kerry was. Yeah, it felt that way at home. And you look at um, defensively, I thought both were really, really strong. You, you sent your big boppers at us and they kept coming again and again and again down that side of the park. Um, Spencer outside the elephant in the room, I thought he was quite strong today. Brandon Smith running out of dummy half. He was really good. Uh, some injury concerns around Siwa Wong and Tupanua. I believe Tupanua's was like a knee clash style incident. That was midway through the second half. I'm not too sure what Wong's injury was, so I have to do a bit of research. Mm. Yeah, correct. It was. I don't think it was seen by the cameras. But... Ankle injury for Wong. Yeah, okay. That doesn't sound the best. Hearing knee injury, but we will wait and see. They've got... There was no concerns from our resident correspondent, Alan Katzman, who was there in his business class jet. Some great, some great vision from our tweets. I think it was it Seagull Spur that put the tweet of him in the business class seat in the gap? Yep, correct. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Katzman said he doesn't have any details and injuries, but both seem to be walking okay post-game. So a fortnight before the next game, we can hope they won't miss too much footy. So for those that have Tupanura yeah. and Supercoach, don't panic trade him. And also, hopefully, Fiakura will be able to overcome concussion protocols. Obviously, it's an 11th day. But the Broncos have a decent turnaround their next match. So, with a bit of hope, you will be able to clear those protocols and be fit for round two. Yep. Um, yeah, I also thought Terrell May off the bench. Brewsters need mm. to put him in a room. Take the key until he signs a contract. Yeah, I, I agree. He was phenomenal for you guys. And I think if when you is suspended, time period. you won't miss much mm-hmm. because May's that good. I, I was shocked. What I love about I, Terrell... I, sorry. I'll just say that I was shocked that it was let you starting and not May. Me too. I'm going to be completely honest with that. But I think what you get out of May is you get 15 minutes after halftime and then you get the whole second half, essentially, with Terrell because his motor is that good, which is scary. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's almost 
it's almost a pain heart like production in terms of minutes played. Let's take a look at Haas. Haas had 16 runs, 133 metres, 64 post contact in 69 minutes. Terrell Main, 55, 17, 167, 93 post contact. So practically mm. bang on. But I think what separates Terrell May a little bit more is his offload game. Like there was a couple of times where we just created some really nice second phase and it was off the back of Terrell May. Yeah, 100%. He was extremely damaging. Probably one of your more underrated players, I thought, from the game. Uh, yeah. Really, really caused issues for us all night. I 100% agree there. But I think my thoughts on the Broncos are you need Xavier Willison. I really thought you lacked a punch at times throughout the game. And I think with a bench of Jensen, Baker, Heverington, I think you do need a bit of impact, a bit of oomph. And I get that mm-hmm. Kevy's perhaps a little bit hesitant based off the 2021-2022 experience of blooding in all the rookies at once and in case it does go pear-shaped, but I think you need to forget it because Willison's too good a player and provides too much impact. We've already seen in the All-Stars game how good he is. I, and he's limited stints in first grade. I speculate, and this is just me spitballing here, I don't have any evidence to back this up whatsoever, but I speculate that he got a bit spooked by the Roosters starting Lenu. And because of that, he made the decision to start Tapu. Interesting. Interesting. But I'm not too sure about that because I thought Spencer was really nullified by you guys. Both our starting props had under 100 metres today too, which is strange. 100%. But I feel like that might have been the game plan, Uh, you know, because obviously we do have, you know, outside of Payne Haas, we do have four good quality props at our disposal. And I feel like, the game plan was if we can have two experienced campaigners nullify Collins and Lenyu, then Baker and Jensen can take advantage off the bench. But obviously May, you can make the argument that May was the best prop on the field out of both teams. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that was one of the big reasons those production in those bench minutes was one of the big reasons why you guys were able Especially if Benson was going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that will lead the way. But anything else on this game before we look at Super League? Uh, no, I think we can just keep on going. Keep on going. So at, at the conclusion of the first part of round one, we have the Manly, Roosters, and Tigers all on two points. The Tigers claiming their buy points early. And then you have everyone else. And then in the bottom two positions, Brisbane and South Sydney. Uh, on to UK Watch. It was the third round at the Super League. St. Helens, 12-4 winners over Lee. Uh, it took John Aziata 43 seconds to stir up even more controversy than last year. He got simbinned, and then he got replaced with a calf injury. So, Lee's problems continue. Edwin Ibarpe already injured. Brad Dwyer having to be rushed in. The loan from... What club was he? I'm pretty sure. The loan from Warrington. So, they've already had to rush around, but a good control performance by St. Helens. 4-0 at the break. They ended up winning by 12 points to 4. Uh, do you want me to keep doing this or do you want to present as well? 
Uh, you can keep going. All good, mate. Uh, Wigan 30, Huddersfield 16, a hat-trick for Liam Marshall. Uh, Tyler Dupree, Bevan French, Harry Smith kicking five goals. Aaron Kieran was simbined, a yellow card. For the Huddersfield Giants, Jack Murchie, Adam Swift, Elliot Wallace. Oliver Russell kicking two from three. Adam Milner simbined in this one, but a nice control performance by the World Club champs. Yeah, 100%. It was exactly what you expect from Wigan, to be honest. Um, and they delivered, and it was a very good, very convincing win. Yeah, 100% right. Uh, no Tui Lola here for Huddersfield. He was out this week. Um, and then you had, I think, Mike Cooper was out from the World Club Challenge along with uh, Cruz Leeming. So you had guys in there like Luke Thompson returning from injury. Sorry, from his HR, which is good as well. Uh, Warrington 30, Castle for 8. Matty Ashton picked up a double. Matt Dufty, Joe Philbin, and Josh Foulis. Uh, five goals from six attempts for Stefan Matchford. For the Tigers, Ennis Senior and Josh Sim with tries. Rowan Milnes, one goal from two attempts. So I think the Castle for Tigers are going to struggle this season. Oh, no. What makes you say that? Just the facts that they are. <laughs> They are yet to win a game so far this season, yeah, and they're... the London Broncos don't play them for a while. <laughs> yeah, they're in for a miserable season, Cats, unfortunately. Uh, but I think even Stevie Wonder saw that coming. Yeah, I hate to say it. Craig Lingard's got a tough job on his hand. Gee, someone like a Kale Udo would have helped, wouldn't they? Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on, uh, Leeds 18, Catalans 10. I'm very gutted about this. Uh, Ash Hanley picked up a double. Harry Newman. Uh, Reese Martin free from five. Justin Sangade Simbin. Four Catalans. Chris Sarte with a try. Arthur Morhey free from three. Jordan Dizania and Tarek Sim Simbin in a spiteful match. Yeah, fucking fiery. <laughs> Jeez. But Catalans' first loss on the year. Leeds get their second win of the season. And I'm just glad that Paul Momorowski didn't score for my agenda. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, moving on to the Salford and Hong Kong play. Yes, they did. Salford 17, Hull Kingston Rovers 10. Uh, Dion Cross and Chris Hankins in mid-try. Sneed with four goals and a field goal. Dion Cross Simbind. Four Rovers, Hiku and Jazz Leighton with tries. Uh, Lennon kicked one goal. Bachelor missed a goal. Penny Hiku also picking up a yellow card. But Salford, they pick up their second win on the year after a narrow win over Castleford last start. Yep, slowly getting better for Salford, uh, which is good signs early in the season. Just got to keep that momentum building. They obviously have a decent squad. Uh, just now it's about getting consistency to challenge for that top eight spot. Um, and still to play this weekend is Hull FC versus the London Broncos. That match is played later tonight. Uh, Hull FC... struggling a little bit. So, you know, both teams looking for their first win of the season in this one. You know what we call a game like this, right? Do you remember from? Oh, no. Are we already calling it? We are, my friends. It (laughs) is the very first edition of Super League Tank Bowl.
I reckon we need some English version of <laughs> of Roundhouse Rock for that. Let me try and find one quickly. <laughs> Let me try and find. Where is it? Oh yes. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah, better. Yeah, a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, mate, we got to move on to our final, our second last thing to look at this week, and that is Super Coach. So, looking at the first two matches so far, I'm sitting on 232 points from five players. What about yourself? I am sitting on 111 points from three players. Is one of them Piakura? Yes, it is. Welcome to the club, mate. But our top scorer so far is Steve. The Silver Tails, 516 across the two games. Let me tell you, that is one fair effort. Fucking solid, that. How many manly players do you think he's got? Um, I would say greater than three. We can't see the teams yet, so we'll have to wait and see. My friend, but it's time for this week's Low Cow of the Week. Anyone that doubted my boy PVL? You're calling him your boy now. No, 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 no. I think that um, (laughs) we've got to be honest. Everyone was very, very quick to judge the Vegas thing as a skeptic, uh, a junket. Uh, some people might have taken that into the sports world media. I'm not naming names. <coughs> Buzz. But, um, <laughs> like, it, it's works. We got 40,000 through the gates at Allegiant Stadium. We staged a massive weekend of rugby league with the Combine, the Nines, the International, which finished in a 16-all draw between the US and Canada. Uh, there's some amazing signs for the game internationally. And I think that this is just the start of something. I'd love to see this international thing grow. So we can, after the five years in Vegas is up, we might take it across to Southern California at its SoFi Stadium. If it gets bigger, we need a bigger stadium. I know a stadium out in Texas <laughs> that can hold 90,000 people, and I'd be very keen to go back. Oh, of course you would be. Oh, mate, we're not going back to Denver Stadium after the infamous Denver test. Uh, of course not. But, mate, <laughs> what do you have from the opening week? I'm assuming something out of Bahrain? Yes, it is, actually, and this is going to be Yuki Sonoda. I heard he had a whinge. Yes. So at the end of the race, he was given team orders to switch around with Daniel Ricciardo, which initially he rejected. Um, Ultimately switched, but it was a bit too late. Uh, Complained that Ricciardo was too slow, even though he was still six-tenths of a second in front of him. And then after the race, decided to go full on and overtake Ricciardo and locked up his brakes completely and then almost hit him on the cooldown lap. Oh, my God. So, I think Ricardo... Let me see if I can find the radio quickly because I think Ricardo sums it up pretty perfectly, um, his thoughts. Just give me a quick second because my phone and Twitter don't get along very well. Um, so, just... Typing away here. Okay. Let me see if I can find it. No, I can't. But uh, the radio was 
oh my god, what the fuck? I'm not going to say anything. Fucking helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can find anything. Ricardo, unable to speak about F1 incident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, mate, let's just remind our audience what we have coming up next weekend. It is going to be very, very fun. We have our full slate of NRL matches returning. We have the New South Wales Cup kicking off, the Queensland Cup kicking off, plus the first full round of the NRL season, round four of Super League. We have an absolute smorgasbord of Rugby League, and I'm very excited. Nate, it is the most wonderful time of the year. I think the podcast episodes, we'll be lucky to get them under two hours. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, Reese, thanks very much for joining us as we say hasta la vista to Las Vegas. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate you having me on the podcast, AJ. You are very, very welcome, my friend. Thanks very much for your company at home. We'll be back next Monday with our look at the first full round of the NRL season. Take care, everyone. Ladies, guys.